bless you. It's good to be here today. I have a hunch what's going to happen here is that we'll have a bit of a trickling effect. This is our first day to, to be together. It's the first day we've been at 10 a.m., and so you're here, and so it's really nice to have you, and I hope that you'll do lots of connecting with one another, whether it's just doing some waves across the aisle and say, it is so good to see you. And uh, you know, the Bible says, love one another um, deeply. Love covers. And there's something about loving one another when you can go through the fires of life and God will help us when we love one another to go through all the stuff of life. Won't he? He will. He does. And so bless you. And so I just pray that you are blessed today. We got some beautiful elements today. It's great to have Solomon with us. Solomon Woodland is here. Wave there, Solomon. Yeah, give Solomon a hand. He's um, absolutely. It's really nice. Solomon's uh, back just for a couple of weeks, I believe, from the West, and he's going back out there again. He was part of this church as a young man. He's still a young man, and we're looking forward to just hearing uh, from his music and, and some testimonial as well. I uh, just wanted to say we're, this is the pattern for the summer. We're launching it today, so 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, we're going to be having our one service, and then afterwards, there will be a fellowship time. Thank you, uh, Linda and Susan and gang, for your work setting up our our mission cafe there. You're going to see some neat, and we're already seeing some neat little things. They're setting us up for fellowship, koinonia, one with the other, right? Uh, thank you for your giving. Thank you for blessing the Lord, tithes and offerings. Thank you for investing in the ministry here. Uh, as you give, there's an offering just around the corner when you go out in the lobby, right at the coat rack. That's where it's living for now. We're going to find its final resting place. And then there's a debit machine. And of course, e-transfer is sort of neat because but from some maybe official ministry. And so pray for us in that, but we're even able to give to the Lord through the e-transfer. So that's sort of a neat, neat thing as well. Come on up, Kim, Kimberly or Elizabeth or whatever Bible character she is on any given time as she leads our children's ministry. And she is going to talk to us about, say it with me, VBS. VBS. You need a microphone. Yes, you do. She said that. I did not say that. I can admit who I am. <laughs> All righty. Good morning. So you, most of you know me by now. I think we can do better on the BBS. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think so. On the count of three, we're going to shout BBS. Ready? One, two, three. BBS. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. I think this later time is really working for us, right? We've had lots of coffee. We're good to go. Alrighty, we are going to Jerusalem this summer. We are super excited. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's hear. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Alrighty, we are headed to Jerusalem and we are very excited to go. Our theme um, for VBS is Jerusalem Marketplace. And it's a Holy Land adventure, which we have done before, um, but this is a whole new theme for us, and we are very excited about it. There are some ways that you can get involved. You can volunteer. There are lots of different positions um, that we need help with. 
there's a board out in the back, um, and it gives you a little bit of detail about all of the different things that we're going to do for VBS and the ways that you can help. There's some drama. You can make snacks. That might be my favorite part. There's some crafts that we're going to do. Um, we're going to have a celebration time with music. There is something for everyone. If you're sitting there going, mm, that doesn't really sound like my skill set, it's okay. I have something you can do within your skill set. And if you're not able to join us in August, we have some different ways that you can still support. There are little pieces of paper. Sorry, my daughter ate that one. <laughs> there are little pieces of paper out in the foyer, and there are VBS dollars. If you would like to donate, grab a dollar. However much is on your bill, you can just stick it in the box that's in the display in the back, and then keep your dollar and put it on your fridge and pray for us. That is a huge way that you can support us this summer is to pray. Another way that you can support is to give. Uh, you can donate items. There is a little fruit stand in the back in our marketplace, and there's little pieces of fruit that have items on them that we need. But we don't necessarily want to keep them forever. If you can donate something to us, we are happy to give it back at the end. Also, there are some items that you will never see again. So if you want to donate some craft supplies or some decoration pieces that you don't want back, um, there's a little basket for that as well. If you have any questions, I'll be in the back after service. I would love to chit chat and we can figure out um, a place for you in our little VBS puzzle. Thanks. So for those of you who don't know, we hold our VBS just two kilometers up the road, same side as the 41 Highway, at our campgrounds there. It's a delightful place for our VBS and children's ministry to introduce them to Jesus. And so please be a part of that. Thank you so much. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Would you stand to your feet and worship with us? We've just got one song before we get into the rest of our service. So sing your all. You've got probably 40 minutes to rest your voice before we sing again. We're going to sing Christ is Risen.
seated. Let's welcome Solomon. Come on up, Solomon, and share with us. Great to have you here today. The barefooted evan evangelist. That's what we're going to call him from on out. <laughs> we're going to take up an offering for Solomon. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for coming, really. Yeah, my name is Solomon Woodland. I, most of you probably know who I am. I, or, <laughs> sorry, that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's good to be back in Roblin, man. It's really good to be back. Last, I was here a couple weeks ago, and Bert asked me, he's like, would you be up for playing a few songs? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. And then he messaged me and said, and maybe give a little testimony. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Man, I can't, I, yeah, I can't sit around and lie to a congregation of people. Man, I have my struggles. My testimony is nowhere near um, where I'd like it to be, of course. Um, but that's just the way that life goes and the way life goes. And Bert was saying, he's like, yeah, just tell us about your walk with God or whatever. And I feel like I'm sometimes just being <laughs> like a screaming kid being dragged along. <laughs> it's not, not much of a walk sometimes. But uh, one thing that's always... Uh, that's always there in my life is God's grace and mercy has been, I, I thank him every day for it because I, without it, there'd be nothing. There's a song written by a man named Chris Christofferson back in the day and he was kind of wrote it about the same sort of situation. Life can get you down, but when Jesus calls you back, man, it's good. God is good. It's called Why Me, Lord? I've known. Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you for the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it. So help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Well, now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hands. Well, tell me, Lord, if you think there's a way I could try to repay all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I could show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it. So help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, Jesus. My soul's in your hands, so help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hands. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. I'm going to play you one more song. This is my favorite favorite worship song. If I imagine you'll know it. You can sing along to it. Well, amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me Well, I once was lost But now I am found I was blind but now I see well, Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a rich like me Well I once was lost But now I'm found I was blind but now I see It was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved Well, how precious did that grace appear At the hour I first believed Dangers, toils, and snares I have already come We've no less days to sing God's praise Than when we first begun It's an amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me well, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you. I'm going to give it back to Bert here. Beautiful. Good job, Solomon. Thank you so much for being a part of today as we start our summertime. Hey, we're going to start right into the message today. And uh, Brandy, do you want to come and grab this clipboard for me? And you can be the checkoff girl. I've got 11 things. You can sit down there. Um, she's going to give us thumbs up, thumbs down. If you list off, I think there's 11 of the most, um, um, most popular uh, Bible stories, most popular episodes in Scripture that would be maybe the most well-known. So just call them out and she'll tell you if it's on the list or not. This is a... Oh, I heard Joseph. Oh, birth of Christ, I know it's there. I know it's there. Jonah. Yeah. Oh, David and Goliath. Can't forget that one, especially since that's what I'm preaching on. <laughs> Samson. No, Samson's not there. 
Oh my, oh my. So, I, uh, I looked up lists of the most well-known scriptures, the most well-known episodes of scripture. And it really was interesting, quite frankly, some of the ones that are left out of the surveys. And of course, we live in a time, we're in a post-Christian modernity today, and we can't assume anything. It's amazing what we might take for granted, and it doesn't mean your neighbor or even your child knows. And so we want to just allow the Scripture, right, to come alive because there is power, God's Word, and those episodes that happened with His people, they teach us lessons, right? So probably um, one of the most well-known of all is David and Goliath, probably with a second close to uh, Moses and the plagues, are the most well-known of all. And sadly, one of the lesser knowns is the crucifixion, uh, believe it or not. But we wanted today, we want to talk about David and Goliath. And even that phrase has taken on popular uh, nature in our society. You will hear it often used as a David and Goliath syndrome, just denoting that underdog situation, a contest wherein a smaller, weaker opponent faces off with a much larger opponent. And so it's actually become a phrase that comes directly from Scripture, David and Goliath. And so we want to tell the story. Uh, would somebody like to come and tell us the story of David and Goliath? Who would like to do that today? Wyatt, come on up. So my brother Wyatt had no idea that he was going to be called up on stage. That is in the second time. <laughs> so, so, so Wyatt, tell us the story. This is not a test. We will be really easy on Wyatt. Won't be. He slept badly last night. So we may hear about Samson and Goliath or something from him. I don't know. It was your day, man. Um, so tell us about David and Goliath. Tell us the story about David and Goliath. Just go ahead. Yeah, tell us the story. So David was just a little shepherd boy. Good job. Really weak and just small, frail boy from how he's described. He had a bunch of brothers, I believe, who were good, strong, big men, warriors. Um, and then Goliath and his men. I can't remember. Now he's asking me, and I don't know I'm where they're from. looking for the, for the teacher for answers. <laughs> And then Goliath came and wanted to challenge them for their land, and nobody could beat Goliath. Goliath was the unbeatable champion that they'd brought, and no one could beat him. What was Goliath? Giant. Yeah, he was a giant. Yeah, he was a big guy. Um, David went to the king and asked if he could go fight, please. And David ended up not being able, or not being told he wasn't able to go up. So he went there out on the battlefield all alone with nothing but his sling and the stone and got Goliath with his sling. <laughs> that feels like a poke. <laughs> but one stone was all it took to take down Goliath and tear off his men. Amen. Good job. Way to go. 
<laughs> you are a really good sport, Wyatt. Good for you. You know, it is, um, it's an amazing story. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him and his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. On account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And He will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, 
he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck the Philistine and he killed him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today. We all have to face Goliath. And there's really no exception to that. We all have to face a Goliath in our lives. And, uh, you know, the reality is that we often think of Goliath being out there, looming large, stopping us from becoming and getting where we need to be to become. Israel was being held from the reality of the promise of God. He had given them the promised land. and He had told them to, to go and, and, and take the, the people so that that land, it was their land, and yet they were at a stalemate in their life. They couldn't go any farther because of Goliath out there. But I would suggest to you that the, the real giant, the real giant in the story wasn't the giant out there, it was the giant in them. It, it was the giant of fear and it was the giant of disbelief and it was the, the giant of no confidence and it was the negativity and the rippling effect of negativity that went through the camp. There was an entire army of them serving the living God and yet they were shaking in their boots. We're all going to have to face Goliath. And there are Goliaths out there. But the bigger Goliath often one, often is the Goliath that is in here, that is within us. And the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, He wants to overcome all the Goliaths. And by the way, there was more than one Goliath. He was the most famous one. Because when you get into 2 Samuel, later on, you see that David in his older age, he's still fighting the brothers of Goliath. And by the way, and we're not, we're not going there, but by the way, it's really cool. He's older now, and the credit doesn't just go to David, because it sure went to him here and it needed to, but later on, it went to his mighty men. And they defeated the brothers of Goliath. And I'll tell you what, if, if we're willing to tackle the Goliaths in our life today, we will be a part of God using us to infuse life into our children and the people around us so that they can, they can defeat the Goliaths in their life tomorrow. And that's sort of another sermon, but it's powerful for us to, to grab a hold of that. Goliath has more implications than the here and now and this hill that you're standing on. That Goliath that you face externally or internally, that Goliath will be a large determinant. What we do, what we allow the Holy Spirit of God to do with those giants in our life that keep us and hold us with these next generations and the confidence that they will have. What is the giant that keeps you from crossing over? Is it a habit? Is it low self-esteem? Is it a negative mindset? Is it fear? Is it addiction? Is it anger, unbelief, character trait that needs the honing of the fruit of the Spirit of God? Is it a secret? 
Is it a regret? Is it a bully? Is it a secret sin? Whatever that Goliath is, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God is able. I'm going to take you through some points here. And I pray, I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm just going to pray that God gives me words and gives us uh, ears to hear and that these would be powerful moments. Jesus, I need you right now. I just need you to give me a calmness of spirit, a clarity of word, and that, God, you would speak into all of our hearts. We face issues that are bigger than us. And, God, we, if we're honest, are often like Saul. And we're often like that, this army. We have tools, we have weapons, and yet we don't know how to wield them. We don't know how to use them. And we, we run in fear, and, and we, we get discouraged, and we feel weak, and we faint. And God, we want a heart like David. Help us to overcome the, the giants in our lives externally and internally. God, I pray that what you do in setting us free and uh, freeing, freeing all the potential in us, it would spill over into those around us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Number one, we are motivated by what we see and what we hear. We're so motivated by what we see and by what we hear. And uh, we're, we're very visual. It was a few years ago that we're told that, that uh, YouTube surpassed Google. What is, that just basically means people watch more than they read. Because yeah, now instead of read about it, we want to watch. It was interesting. Uh, uh, Joseph, he was working for... Uh, a gentleman, he was fixing some of his, his equipment, and the gentleman said to Joe, so can you fix this uh, snowplow? There was a little bit of a snowplow thing that had been broken there. And Joe goes, yeah, I sure can. And as they were going across, Joe pulled out his form, phone, and he looked up YouTube, and he had the two-minute video watched by, he got, by the time he got to the other side, and he put the fitting on because he watched the guy do it on YouTube. What, what a crazy day we live in, you know. Um, we're so visual. On hearing the Philistines' words, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. We have got to be really careful who we're listening to. Because they kept listening over and over and over, that water torture, over and over and over, that just that starts to sink into our spirit. What you dwell on, what you think about, what you watch, what you hear, it will ultimately get into you and it will affect and be a part of the actions of your life. This giant, he was a giant. He was a big guy. He was nine feet tall. Um, our behavior is affected by sight in our lives. Number two, our motivation must not come from the majority. Our uh, the, the eye gate, it, it's like we have a buffet before us of what we see and what we look at. Uh, the Bible says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that, that we have to be so careful uh, what we look at because we're so affected by it. And this certainly applies to purity. And it's been an area in my life where I've had to say, God, help me to, to have that, that gate, that covenant with my eyes that I will not look at unclean things, because I'm affected by that. And you're affected by that. This buffet, there's choices in life and options, and there's cultural trends, and there's news, and there's more news, and there's more news. 
and there's TV, and there's movies, and there's internet, and there's magazines, and there's books, and, and we can allow those, and those can be very important to us, but they can begin to be the formation of us rather than the Word of God. They can begin to be the formation of our actions and our thoughts, and, and we wonder why we're in such distress, and we wonder why we don't live in victory. It's because we've been informed by that which is not laser-focused and grounded in truth. It's just not. It's not there. Change the images of what you see or you will not be able to change your actions and what you do. Change the images and what you see or you won't be able to change the actions in what you do. You've got to get a new slideshow going in life. We will never change until we change the environment of our minds. And that's a work of God. Uh, Paul said to them in Romans, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. He understood how important it was that we allow this new administration of the Spirit of God to reinform us and to, to this formation, this renewal, so that we begin to think and see through God's eyes the eyes of truth in our life. So we have to change our focus, change our intent, intake, and change our thinking. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, Paul saying to the Galatian church, uh, he says to them, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So, so in that, there, there's a sense of walking with the Spirit but there's this, this sense of allowing the Holy Spirit to, to be that which informs us. And as we hang around with, with God, as we walk with Him, as we allow His Holy Spirit to fill us, and, and we give ourselves to that, He will give us victory over the sinful nature. And, and I know in my life, I know the times when I have gone astray, and I know when my thoughts have gone crazy, and I know when I've gotten up, it's when I... I get my eyes off of Jesus. It's like Peter's on the boat. He's on the water, and he's not looking at Jesus anymore. He's looking at the waves, and that's when he sinks. And, and I know that. I see that in my own personal lives. When we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know, the concept of fruit is important because you can't have fruit in a moment. I, I want fast fruit. I, I sort of want fruit the same way I want things to come out of the microwave. You remember when the microwave first came? Now, I know I'm dating myself. I get that. Some of you are like, well, the microwave's always been here, Pastor Bert. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I was, telling, <laughs> I was telling somebody a story about when I was in youth ministry, the car broke down, and they said, oh, did you just call somebody? I go, we didn't have cell phones back then. We did not have cell phones. Anyway, they could hardly believe that. I remember the, the amazement of microwave that you could have water boil that quickly. It just didn't happen before, right? <laughs> Some of you with me? It didn't happen that quickly before. And uh, of course, we all had to have our catastrophes with microwaves where we turned normal things into pieces of iron because we put them in there for three minutes and they needed ten seconds. But, but that's another story. Um, the fruit of the Spirit of God. It's 
It's as we walk with God, as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, so it gives us the image of planting seeds. And seeds don't grow in a moment. But they have a great reward. Because as you see that seed, and as it's cultivated, and as that seed is watered, and it's given some attention, and you begin to have the fruit, you're so glad you did. They say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. Um, plant seeds. You might be in a season right now where you're still reaping the harvest of yesterday's bad seeds. So listen, plant good seeds today. Pray for a poor harvest on those other seeds. And pray for a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold on the new seeds. You get the picture. The fruit of the Spirit. I say live by the Spirit of God. So we have to be careful what comes in. And then secondly, we have to see what others can't see. And as you go through life as a believer, you're going to be have to see what others cannot see. Saul saw a human giant that stopped him. And David, he saw his God who propelled him forward. You see, they were standing in the same place. They were on the same hill. They were in the same circumstance with a completely different focus. That's the only thing that was different here. The same defiance that was coming against Saul was the same defiance that was coming against David, but David was looking to God and Saul was looking at the circumstance. And we have got to move from those circumstances, that giant, that Goliath of the circumstances of our life. And it's hard. Because he is tall. He was tall. And those circumstances are big. But they're not bigger than God. They're just not bigger than God. And, and the enemy wants us to begin to believe that they are. He wants us to begin to believe that those circumstances are insurmountable in our life. And it took a, a shepherd boy to come and remind an army, God is bigger. God is bigger. They saw thick armor and David saw an unprotected forehead. People will try to hold you back. You can't defeat the giant. He's so big. And David's like, I can't miss. He's so big. Look through the eyes of faith in the face of insurmountable circumstances. And, and, and I don't mean this to just be pithy and pat because life really can throw a lot of fury. You know, a storm always seems smaller until it gets here. We've had a couple of storms lately and I'm, I'm constantly, after all this time in my life, you think I would know better, I'm always surprised at the ferociousness of a storm. Those windstorms that we had, the power of wind, the power of that thing, it always surprises me to this day. I always underestimate it. It doesn't mean we're underestimating that circumstances are hard. It just means we're not underestimating that God is bigger. That God is bigger. Let our faith kick in. God, this circumstance is big, but you're bigger. My past can haunt me, but you're making me new. All things become new. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 
this difficulty is crushing me, but you're lifting me up. And allow him to do that. See what others cannot see. Okay, so first we were motivated. We're motivated by what we see and hear. Our motivation must not come from the majority. And thirdly, when you look back, focus on victory. When you look back, focus on victory. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, this is where David said, your servant has killed. So, so basically, what Saul's game, who are you? You're, you're a young guy. There's no possible way you can do this. And what does David do? He looks back and he says, yeah, but listen, here's, here's, what, here's what's happened. I killed a bear and I killed a lion. No small feat. Get a victory under your belt and look there. Trust God to give you ability and let your character grow. Because character grows when we face storms. The storm that we dread the most and the storms that sometimes we wonder why were they there, God wants to use those to build the resilience in us to fight the next battles in life. So see, David, he was young, but he'd already had some battles. And he'd seen God at work. And he focused on that. And he had God did it here, God will do it there. And so he began to connect the dots. And so many times we don't connect the dots of our faith. In fact, it's one of the biggest problems we have in the North American church is this inability, it seems, for, for our faith, uh, our faith to inform our life. For our faith to be connected to the dots of our life so that we live our lives through the faith, through the scriptures that we actually believe. And, and it came up at the conference that we were just at in Brockville that even pastors, they can live as functional atheists. We believe, but when it comes to the doing, uh, and, and the context of this comment was, how many times do we go ahead and do something without pausing and saying, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking for your will, your protection. And when we don't do that, in essence, we're acting as functional, practical atheists. We're sort of saying, well, I believe, but when push comes to shove, I'm just going to do it myself anyway. That's a bit convicting. When you look back, focus on the victories. A new foundation of courage and obedience and purity and dependence and determination. And if you don't have that, start planting the seeds today. The Holy Spirit wants to do a new thing in you today. The power of regret. When we look back, um, we can be so easily taken over by regret and the shame that can wash over us. The, the, the regret of not having followed or not been or the temptation that we gave into or the, or the things that we allowed our hands and feet and words to say and we can be filled. And we can nurse those regrets and we nurse them right back to health in our life and they're nice healthy regrets and they just have brand new shame that washes over. Has anybody ever been there? I've struggled with this. We can't keep nursing those regrets. In fact, if you're going to go into the nursing industry, if you're going to be a nurse, start nursing the victory. Start nursing the, the, the power of God when He began to do a new thing inside of you. And you remember when He began to birth in you hope and He began to birth in you faith and you begin to have your first steps and we begin to nurse and Rehearse what God has done. When we dwell on God's ability, we have then the power to expose the lies of the enemy 
that we believe. Because He wants to believe us believe lies. Because Jesus said the truth will set us free. So if He can keep us believing that life is like this when God said no, it's this, He keeps us in bondage. A couple weeks ago in our Life's Healing Choices. So this is our last night for our evening Life's Healing Choices here at the church. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at number number two of the principles of, of the, the healing choices from Celebrate Recovery. And uh, I think I've got it on the screen here. Do I have it? Um, yeah, here it is. Principle number two. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. And, and we have Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 from the Beatitudes. And so we read that that and the question in our sort of guide was which part of this do you struggle with the most and there, there are three parts there if you see them so basically the second the principle is i earnestly believe that god exists that i matter to him and that he has the power to help me recover three parts i have never struggled hardly a moment in my life that god exists not, not a moment and now listen i do not say that glibly, because there may be some of you, young or old, you have had a great struggle with it. You may have had, I've never had a problem knowing that God existed. When I was in class, and I can remember the first time I heard uh, the, the, the whole um, um, environmental um, evolutionary, evolutionary stuff and all of that kind of stuff, I, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't have to read a book. I, 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 just, I just saw the complexity of life. I just saw the science of it all. And every time somebody has tried to come at me with all the stuff, I'm going, you just, you just, you just can't see. It, it is more complex. I mean, Darwin had no idea how complex it was. It was a great idea. I think it's a cool idea that, you know, came out of vapes and all that kind of stuff. It just, there's just nothing. Micro, yeah, macro, nothing. But anyway, sorry, I, I digress. I just, it's one of my things. You can tell. Okay, I'm back. Whoever's at home there, hello. Um, <laughs> Pastor Bird's back in the building. Um, it, so I've never had a problem with that. I just haven't. I, I've just seen God in my work, my life the whole time. So the question was, which of these three parts of it do you, do you struggle with? Well, then, I'm going to go to the last part. He has the power to help me recover. And I have, I have not really, I, I sometimes have, but I've not really doubted God's power. I believe God has the power. But it's funny. In my heart, there was a ding, 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 and that middle part, and that I matter to Him. And I thought, my goodness, all the times I have said to people, to you, to us, that you matter to God. And there was just a little thing in my heart. You, you haven't believed this about yourself. That your picture is on God's refrigerator. You know, we've all been there, right? Yeah, that, that, that is just that, that concept. It's so beautiful and so powerful. But you matter to God. And so it's funny, just the exposing of that thought, just the exposing of that thought for me, who happened to be leading the group, by the way. I was asking the question. But, that, but God just prompted my heart, you've not believed this. And just that alone, freedom. Hardly knew it existed. You matter to God. 
and, and all the circumstances and the enemy's going to make sure he just piles enough things on just to create enough doubt that you just really got to wonder. I think, he, I think a lot of people matter to him. I think he, he passed over me. I don't think that. But the enemy wants us to. He wants us to. We have to expose the lie. The power of regret. When we look backwards, we need to, we need to see that, that God loves us, that He is able, that He not only exists, He is a rewarder of those who love Him. He, by faith, it's impossible to please you. So if we fall, we fall forward. We become like Peter who, who even denied Jesus. And he went on to be the spokesperson at, in Acts. And he went on to be an incredible person of God. We see Paul who was there at the stoning of Stephen. And he went on and he was a, a bold defender of the Gospel of Jesus Christ even unto death. What did these guys do? Were they different than us? Mm, no. They looked back and they stood. They rehearsed God, not the regret. Because if Paul had every day started to nurse the regret of the day that he held onto the clothing and gave assent for them to kill Stephen, he would have never done it. He would have packed up and gone home. And so will you. You will stand on that hill facing that giant till the end of your days until you start to nurse and rehearse the victories of God and God's ability rather than to nurse and rehearse the regrets and the things that have taken place in your life that were ugly, they were horrible, they shouldn't have happened, there's abuses, there's hard things, but if you keep nursing and rehearsing them, you're going to stay on that hill. You're going to stay on that hill. And God wants us to get off that hill. He wants us off. Quit rehearsing the failures. This is for me too. So it's like a fire drill. Um, remember we had a fire drill here at the church one day? Do you remember that? Is anybody here for that? I think Phil led us into that. It was, it was actually quite fun, really, but it's horrible to say. I mean, if it was real fire, it wouldn't be, right? But uh, so do a fire drill. Because Goliath's going to be there tomorrow. If you've got Goliath in your... You see, he showed up every day. He showed up every day. And, and that Goliath, whether it's the internal or the external, he's going to show up every day. And so therefore, he's going to be there on Monday morning. So you, you can have a fire drill. You can do a little drill. Okay, what do you do in a fire when Goliath shows up? God. <laughs> I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to God. Okay. Number four, three, four. See your unique weapons. Okay? See your unique weapons. What did Saul do? He, he dressed David in his own tunic, put on him armor and bronze helmet, and he focused on the externals. And there was 100,000 uh, people on the battlefield, and they all had the latest giant killing weapons of the day. Helmets and swords and shields. They all had the, the most technologically advanced weapons. And, and David, instead of focusing the external, he focused on the heart. Because the greatest armor of all is the heart. Right? Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God. Breastplate of righteousness. He's not telling us to put on chain link armor in the morning. He's not telling us to put your football helmet on the beginning of the day. The imagery is we protect our minds, the helmet of salvation, we protect our heart, the deceit of our spirit and emotions and mind and will. We, we, the feet were ready to go. It's David was focused on the armor of the heart, the preparedness of the heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. 
for it is the wellspring of life. Conventional weapons, they hadn't felled the giant yet. They hadn't smitten the giant yet. So David came with new weapons. And so David acted. And he did this in spite of the fact that he had peer pressure, a lot of it. And he was misunderstood, very much so, and ridiculed. And there was the opposition. And we have that whole paragraph that we read from Scripture where even his oldest brother mocked him and said, you're just coming to watch the battle. You're conceited. How dare you? There was jealousies that were rising up there. David was under incredible pressure here. Who are you? Who are you? And, and David was like, I am, I am the son of God. Because his focus was right. Uh, I can't go in these, he told the king. Um, and that would have been a really convenient exit strategy right there. Oh well. Clothes don't fit, you know. That's, I had that happen when I went to my brother's wedding. I got there the day before down in New York, and the jacket arrived, and it was a 53. Now listen, I, I'm pretty big, bigger than I should be, but a 53 that was supposed to be a single-breasted, I, I had to take it, and I took it all the way around and pinned it here and here. I, I felt like I was ready for the tombs of Egypt. Um, and in the pictures to this day, it's like, well, there's the groom and all the... Burke's dressed a little different than everybody else. Because we, it was a rental. We couldn't take it back. It was the day before. And, and so there you go, 53 jacket. Maybe that was Goliath, maybe that was Goliath jacket that I had. I just thought of that now. Um, I'm not used to these. He, he could have gotten that, but no, he said, no, I'm not used to these. And so he takes the stones. He goes and chews them. They're smooth stones. I, I just think David, he just he knew he had practiced the slingshot. He had practiced. He had been out there, and what else do you do when you're sitting whistling and you're, you're choosing stones? I grew up with stones. Uh, that, our life revolved around stones. We're in stone mills there, and we're in more stone mills here, really. Everywhere there's stones. and we, My whole life was throwing stones. I'm surprised any of us are alive, and my brothers, because we threw stones. We built with stones. We basically went back to the Stone Age in our, in our family. He knew stones. He chose the stones. And there's a bunch of giants on the road to Goliath. You see, Goliath was sort of the famous giant, but there was a whole bunch of giants before and there was a whole bunch of giants after. He may be the most obvious, but the, sometimes the real giants... They need to be felled within us. And I think God was felling giants in David out in the field long before he got to the battlefield. God had been knocking giants out of the park for a while. He chose the stones, not the helmets, the sword, and the spear. We need to come to a close here. See your unique weapons. See what God has given you. We, we think like the world so many times, and yet faith and prayer and dependence and allowing our hearts to be built up and a foundation of faith is so much more important. Fifthly, focus on the direction of victory. Set your heart and your mind and your eyes. What you focus on will determine where you go. So as the Philistine moved closer to attack David, what did David do? Up to this point, Goliath every day had come out. He'd given the same defiance, and they'd all gone that way. And this time he gave the same defiance, and one little guy comes this way. 
this is something different. David quickly, it says, ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Such confidence. In what? His sling? Confidence in his stones? In his size? Confidence in his God. He focused in the direction of, of victory. You can't worry about one thing, said Norman Vincent Peale. You can't worry about one thing while focused on something else. And, and so there's that, the power of focus. And so many times when we worry and we're in anxiety and we're focused on the power of thanksgiving, the, the power of being focused on victory. Change your focus. So, so important. And then the final one, I believe it's the final one, focus on the target, but focus beyond the target. And that's what I always tell marriage couples when I'm getting them ready to get married. You've asked me to do your wedding. I feel called to prepare you for your marriage. And so we'll do a little bit of wedding preparation, and let's do some marriage preparation. Because that's the after part. Because your wedding's going to be successful. I, I haven't been to an unsuccessful wedding. I guess there have been some. There's stories. But I haven't been um, yet. There, and even the stuff that happens that you might say, oh, that was horrible, it becomes the great memory of it. Like there's a lot of funny things that happens at weddings. But it's that marriage thing afterwards, right? Not the day, it's the life. <laughs> That's the hard part. We look not just at the target, but beyond the target. We look beyond it. Um, having a ministry mindset, we, we verbalize, we see beyond the giant. He is there to keep us from the good things that God has for us. For the joy set before Him endured the cross. So, so what did Jesus do? Here was, the, here was Goliath. The cross was a Goliath. But Jesus was looking on the other side. He was looking on the other side. And He was going to defeat and He defeated the Goliath of the cross so that He'd be on the other side. And if we see the other side, it will fuel us and it will will motivate us and it will give us fuel when we feel like giving up and we feel like breaking down in our life. And I guess I guess there was one more after all. Know that God is on your side. This is the day the Lord will hand you over to me. And so he, he killed Goliath. He killed Goliath. Come on up, worship team, and I want you to stand. Could you do that? Could you stand with me? We're going to sing unto the Lord. Um, this is a really serious topic because if, if we don't deal with the giants in our life, we will never, we will never get to the hill that God has for us. And, uh, there are giants. There are giants of unbelief, and there's giants of addiction. We're we're so you know we're so feeble and fragile. We feel it. We do. I'm not pointing fingers here. I, well, the longer I live, I feel my weakness. But but he is he is great. I am I am weak, but he is strong. It's it's God's strength. David was not a match for that giant, but his God was. And, and we didn't even get into the covenant. Because David, we, we really skipped this over, and it's so good, but I can't go there too much, except he said, 
this uncircumcised Philistine. That's what he called him. And so that's all covenant stuff. Because what was the sign of the covenant in Israel? It was circumcision. The blood covenant cut by the God. Covenants are always cut in blood. That's why Jesus, when he lifted the, he said, this is the cup. He lifted the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so what David saw was, he isn't part of the covenant. We're under the covenant of God. And uh, the power was there. Because he was no match. But he was in covenant. You know, when I was a, when I was a child, I can still remember, I, I, believe it or not, I, I had my moments of timidity. I was a bit outgoing, I get that, but, but I did. I remember Dad one time at a Lake Ontario Park, he asked me just to go and ask this lady for directions. And I, and I wouldn't do it. I, I checked it out. I, I don't know. She was scary or I was scared. I don't know why. But, but I look back and I think, I, I just couldn't make myself do it. Dad said, all right, I'll go. And all he did was stand there beside me. And I asked her, well, how do you get so Whatever I did, I, I did it. Why? Because that dad was beside me. So that's the point. David knew. He has nobody beside him. Goliath thinks he's so strong. There's nobody beside him. But there's somebody beside you. And whatever the Goliath is that you're facing internally or externally, God is beside you and He will walk with you. And it may seem so big. It may seem so scary. It may seem so undefeatable. God says, I am I am right here. I am right here. And He will carry you in that. And so there it is. God, I pray that You would be with us now as we ponder this in our spirits. As we as we just sing for a moment here and we worship You and we lift up Your name and we say, God, we love You. I ask God that You would deal with our hearts and You would expose to us those, those giants that we have allowed to linger in our lives. Those Goliaths internally and externally that hold us back and keep us from conquering that next hill in our life. And I pray God that You would bring us to whatever we need. If we need repentance, set us free. If we need to expose the lies that we've believed about you or lies we've believed about ourselves, set us free. So that, God, we can be like David. God, give us, show us the, the unique weapons, the weapons of faith, the weapons of covenant. God, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You respond to the Lord as we sing. The altars are open. You can come and come and pray, come and go. But let's worship God together. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This is a song uh, of calling. Calling to ourselves, calling to each other. Uh, to remember, to rehearse the good that God has done in us. So let's sing to Him. And no one caught in sin remained inside Yeah.
worship our God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy Lord God, we thank you for your presence that is here with us today. 
And uh, you are a great God. I ask that you would forgive us for the times when we act like you're not. I pray, God, you would forgive us for the times that we're probably more like Saul and sometimes like those, those good soldiers, but who had their focus in the wrong place. I ask, God, that our faith would inform our actions, that, God, you would build within us a, a resilience, a focus on your power, your ability that overcomes those Goliaths of circumstances, temptation, and hardship, and character flaw in our life. We need you. And so God, uh, help us not to just be stirred, but help us to be changed. Help us not to just think about these things, but help us to surrender them to you. And as you confront us with our unbelief, or you confront us with our fears, Lord, I pray that would, they would be replaced by faith as we repent as we align ourselves with you. And then we wonder why it took us so long, because you set us free. So set us free right in this room right now. Set, set us free. There's somebody there facing a hard thing. Give them faith right now to say, no more, no more, with God's help. And they're going to take a step forward and say, with God's help, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to face this thing. I'm, I'm going to be this thing. With God's Holy Spirit within me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I give you all praise. All praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you going to do uh, questions? questions? Let's, yeah. let's do that. If you have to go, you, you're welcome. But let's sing this song. If you're able, then grab a cup of coffee and just to fellowship a little bit. It's been a pleasure to be with you. This is the beginning of summer. It feels like it. It feels like it. And God knows, and he's so good. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Songs of prayer of circumstance. In the crush.